0: Hello there and welcome to another episode of Neuroresiliency. I'm your host, Justin, and today I'm going to take you down the rabbit hole of longevity. Before we get started, please make sure that if you're enjoying Neuroresiliency, if you're enjoying these episodes, to like, share, uh, comment on any of the uh, platforms that we're you know you're listening on. And if you are not aware, there is a Substack, which is just a newsletter service that you can sign up to to get notifications of, not just these new episodes, but of anything that I'm up to, if I'm running a special offer, if I'm a guest on someone else's media, something like that, it'll be in the substack. Great. Well, with all of that out of the way, let's ask the question. All right. So, if you have been uh, unaware, there is this gentleman called Brian Johnson. That's Brian with a Y. Funnily enough, Brian Johnson is also the liver, the Liver King's name, and the Liver King, of course, is spelled with an I, Brian. So, Brian Johnson, with a Y, um, is a tech entrepreneur, right? American tech entrepreneur, venture capitalist, writer, and author, founder, and CEO of a company called Kernel. Great. Uh, a, big, a big thing struck me when I was researching this guy as well, which is that he pretty much has followed an Elon Musk trajectory, his initial Uh, His initial company's initial um, claim to fame was something called Braintree, which then acquired Venmo and then sold to PayPal. So it's essentially mobile and web payment systems that he developed. And he spent years on this and he sold it for 800 million. I think he got 300 of that 800 million, which is pretty much how Elon also got his start with uh, PayPal. And he got bought out of PayPal and he used all that money and then he developed something called kernel which measures the brain and specializes in like brain neural interface and that's pretty much neuralink which is what elon's also doing so it's very similar that he's taken a you know um, a tried and true method clearly to getting out there but what you might not be aware of is that he's started this thing called blueprint he's dedicated a lot of his money i think he said 2 million a year with a team of 30 medical professionals And he goes through about two hours of measuring every single day. So uh, I don't know how accurate that is, because that was one of the videos that I consumed on him that's claimed that. Um, I'm sure it could go up some days and go down other days, I'm sure. But on average, he is considered to be the most measured man. And for what, you may ask, like, why? Why is he measuring himself? Well, a lot of this is actually because he believes in reducing long you know reducing his aging so that he can basically live as long as he can so in the last 2 years he claims to have slowed down his aging by the equivalent of 31 years so slowing down the pace of aging by 31 years and basically accumulating aging damage slower than 88% 88% of all 18 year olds so you know he's doing all these different things he's uh food uh sleep exercise all of these things staying away from this going towards that there's a whole host of things that he's doing and he calls it blueprint and it's all open source you can check it out in the links below as well it's quite interesting but he's been on social media like it's it's been a storm of media an absolute tide of media and one of the two biggest things that everybody seems to cover is I tried his routine, his exercise routine, his general routine. I tried his food. You know, I tried to eat like Brian Johnson. Um, And I find this very, very, very interesting because I think this is where we get into some problems with the experimental kind of N equals one quantified self nonsense. I say nonsense um, without being derogatory because I do it too. I measure myself, I weigh myself, all of that type of stuff. But by no means do I think that people need to copy what I'm doing, but rather, and and I'll get to this, the reason why you shouldn't is based on your values, as in what do you want? So we'll get into that. So it's, it's just been very interesting because he eats essentially three things. He eats a, um, like a bean, broccoli, cauliflower thing. He eats something called nutty pudding, which is like lots of nuts, funnily enough, all the fats, et cetera. And he has something called the green giant, which is like a smoothie drink that he does. He also consumes like, I think a hundred pills a day of supplements and things like that. It's a lot. It is a lot. Um, so what's been interesting is that all these influencers are trying to take his routines which are specifically measured and managed for him and apply it to themselves as well. And I think that this is the biggest thing of the, oh, if it works for them, it's got to work for me. Now, I've got three rules that I work on for most people, for for any type of, um, well, really anything that I do, any type of anything. I think about these three rules a lot. Number one, no person is an island unto themselves. That is, the social brain element is always going to creep in. In some way, shape, or form, you are influenced by others. You are different in the presence of others. And so, how is that taking effect? So, me, I'm a natural contrarian. So, people come out and praise Brian Johnson. I'm like, well, you're praising him. Well, you know what? Fuck that. I'm not gonna praise him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the opposite stance. I'm not interested in Brian Johnson. But of course, I consume all his content. And of course, then I'm like, oh, that's quite interesting. You know, so I do take up natural contrary stances. That's very normal for me. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's the first one is no man is an island. Number two is emotions trump logic. You'll always find that your emotional state will override any kind of rationality. That <clears throat> it takes a long time to kind of get through that. So you know this is a very natural state. Um, the last one is that context is king, and this is what's relevant here. Context is king, and so what I mean by this is that Brian Johnson is a certain height and a certain weight, which means that he requires a certain number of calories. That's pulled into his diet in terms of how many calories he wants to consume. Right, great. What vegetables does he need? Well, based on his gut health, based on um, you know his particular proclivities, whatever it is, his nutritional needs, what does his body have a problem producing or does in excess? So then he's going to build the recipes around himself. So I'll give you a quick example. Genetically speaking, I have a particular gene expression, which means that I don't have to worry about excess of salt in my diet. It's not going to convert into, you know, harmful, high blood pressure, whereas other people might be more sensitive to the amount of salt in their diet. I, thankfully, can just throw salt on like it's no one's business. Just throw it on there. Just all the salt. Because I'm a salty sea dog. So, you know, that imagine that I made um, a strict regimen of uh, food that I followed. Well, how much salt I put in there might be detrimental to some other people, where all of a sudden you start seeing high blood pressure in people who are copying me. That type of thing needs to be taken into account. Just because Brian does it doesn't mean it's good for me. You need to be able to contextualize something for yourself. Always just because someone gets success with it it doesn't mean that it's a good thing for you either Contextualize everything for yourself when I work with my clients this is probably one of the biggest things that I run through with them is stop making assumptions about what you need or what you want based on what other people are saying or what other people are finding you need to contextualize things for yourself follow your heart, follow your gut, follow what works for you, not what works for other people. So based on that, Brian's recipes, you know, are designed in one way, but also the amount of calories that they will give you is designed for him, not for other people. So he's consuming, I think just under 2000 calories a day, I think like 1900 calories a day. Well, for people who are built a lot smaller, you know, smaller frames, uh, shorter, that's a lot of calories for them. And for people who are bigger, that's going to be not enough calories per day. As a matter of fact, for Brian, it's not enough calories. And I think that this is where we come into this question of values. For Brian, he's actually consuming a caloric um, deficit, which means that he's not consuming enough calories to just maintain his actual body. The result of this is going to be uh, the data suggests better for longevity. The data out there on every other animal in the world except humans, right? They've tried these experiments with every animal except humans, is that if you decrease, let's say, calories by 10%, then you get 10% longevity, right? The animal lives 10% longer than its peers, um, up to, I think it was 30%. And so Brian's doing something similar here, but there's nothing in the data to suggest that it's it works the same way this is the same as like testing pharmaceuticals on monkeys and expecting it to work the same way in humans we are different organisms you know it just works differently um there, there could be things that cross over there might not be but his bet is that by living on uh on calories that are below what he needs he's going to live longer and then also he does fasting as well You know, good for some people, might not be uh, appropriate for others, especially uh, for guys. This is a very simple kind of conversation to have with most men. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, fasting is easy, you know, and then they try and push it on women as well. But women are not just smaller men. Women are much more complicated. They have much more complicated like hormone profiles and cycles and things like that. And so for women, it might not be appropriate to fast at certain times of the month. And so that's a whole other conversation, a whole other batch of research to go and look into to understand how that system works. And definitely, I used to be a huge advocate of fasting. You know, I started doing um, fasting protocols 2012 is when I started fasting. And that was before it became like really mainstream. And now every Tom, Dick, and Harry fasts. So of course, my contrarian point of view is like, "Ah, think for yourself, blah, blah, blah. But of course... You know, I'm talking to myself 10 years ago. So moving on with this, the, the idea of um, him living in a caloric deficit means that he needs to supplement all these other things that the body's not naturally producing. So he wears a testosterone patch, for example, to maintain a certain level of testosterone, which would naturally drop in anyone who lived in a caloric deficit. So what does that mean? That basically means that he, the way that he's calculated his food is actually harming him, and he needs to make up for that by plugging the leak, let's say, with a testosterone patch. Now, what does that tell us about his values? It means that he values the idea of living longer over, let's say, living naturally or living healthily. As someone who's come through a lot of these different things, I do have a particular value for what is natural is better. Like, what is the thing designed to do? And how could we just feed it to do what it's designed to do? So if the body is designed to be in balance, well, let's give it what it needs to live in balance as well. So this is the first part is that if he has to take a testosterone patch rather than naturally producing his own testosterone, like the body's designed to do, this is a big no-no for my value systems in particular. On top of this, if we look at the way that he lives day in and day out, it's like, 100% consistency, or at least that's what he's putting across. So, anyone who wants to copy him is going to see every day he wakes up at this time, every day he does this thing, every day this happens, this happens, this happens, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Except, you know, once again, we have a clash of values. Because if you think that human beings thrive in stable environments, well, yes, they do in the short term. Absolutely 100%. You can say that stability means that you get you know good quality sleep you know your body knows exactly what to do but as soon as that stability is broken as soon as you put yourself into the realm of chaos and spontaneity the body's going to freak out and not know what to do which is why this is where it comes in where i do believe that people need to train controlled stresses and from what i'm seeing in brian's routine he doesn't have controlled stresses outside of you know his perfect food his perfect sleep His exercise as well, he will accommodate more things on the weekends, like playing basketball or going hiking or whatever it is. But, you know, that's all within his little bubble. And you take him out of his bubble and everything goes to to hell. And I spoke about this in a previous episode about not listening to influencers, where I talked about fragility. And obviously you can see my value with regard to being more alive to change, being able to harmonize with what's out there by making sure that you're practicing, responding to stress, practicing, trying to find that harmony in the situation that's there. And the only way that you can really do this is by constantly trying to up the game, right? So in the next episode coming out as well, after this one, I'll highlight this and what it looked like for my fitness journey, for example. Um, But for now, let's keep on Brian so this this concept of values is what people are copying of oh the consistency, oh the let's say the values of longevity over health, and so they're copying what he's doing because he's clearly getting results, but he's also the most measured man in the world, and his results are because what he's doing is dialed into what his needs are and what he's trying to achieve and so the other thing to talk about is that he has you know kids who are late teenage years. He doesn't have a partner or a pet sleeping in the bed with him. So he's getting like 100% sleeps. That's great. Why? Well, because he doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have any late night deadlines or, you know, things like that. So when it comes to living like this, that's great if you can insulate yourself from real life. And I'm sure $300 million is going to do that as well. Um, You know, but families, the demand of life, you know, I wake up sometimes earlier Because why? Well, we've got dogs in our room and they'll wake me up because they wake up. Sometimes later because they're sleeping late. You know, great. Sometimes my wife wakes me up. You know, she she, she and I share the bed. So surprise, surprise, that's going to happen. What happens if you've got a newborn? How can you optimize for this? So again, it comes back down to this idea of contextualization for self. And so, yeah, Brian Johnson might live to be 120 years old, but within that sheltered confine, You know, of that bubble, sure. If that's what he wants, or more power to him, you know, the value of longevity is there. The values that he's living by, it's all there. But we need to be the ones who actually contextualize it as well and take a look. Do I want this? Are these my values? Is this the way that I want to express my life? So, talking about just his food, we went into his calories. And now, if we look at his fitness, it gets very, very interesting. He just recently published a video on his fitness routine. And his fitness routine is something that's quite interesting as well. Now, when it comes to, let's say, fitness and longevity, there are two other people who have a lot to say about this: Dr. Gabrielle Lyon and Dr. Peter Atia as well. And Peter Atia talks about cardio fitness and VO2 Max a lot. He talks about strength training a lot. He talks about stability also, which is quite interesting. So Dr. Gabrielle Lyon is known for muscle-centric medicine. The idea that your muscles and you know the appropriate size of muscle is important to have, because muscles are uh, essentially signaling organs. When you flex and you know you contract your muscles, you're actually sending hormones through your body signaling. So using your muscles, using your body, is actually very important for staying healthy. <clears throat> now, saying all of this. Both of them talk about this idea of like there is a certain amount of muscle mass that's needed, a certain amount of stimulation that's needed, a certain amount of blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of factors here. Now, what's interesting is that when you watch Brian Johnson's, I mean, he's not an exercise scientist. He's not any kind of physical trainer. He's just doing things that seem to make a lot of sense for him. His cardio is fantastic. His VO2 max is considered to be really, really, really good for what he does. Uh, But muscularly as well, You know, he's eating in a caloric deficit, which means he's not actually going to be um, a very muscular person. He's going to be cut, but he's going to be super lean. And how much of that is actually very good for longevity? You know, that's another question that he can pose. And Dr. Gabriel Lyon can have a conversation around that about like what is going to be a good amount of muscle to have on your frame that leads to a good longevity outcome. But then you can also have this conversation with Dr. Peter Atia because half of Brian Johnson's exercises, for example, um, you know, they're just around, Oh, feeling good or doing this movement. They don't really have a particular value or purpose. So we saw with his food, you know, he's got this idea of longevity with his exercise. He doesn't really, he's got a lot of knees over toes guys stuff in there. And that shows his influence, but then he's also got some other random stuff that shows again you know that he doesn't necessarily take inspiration from longevity, he just takes inspiration from what's in his environment, which is what we all do anyway, but that's the concept is that where are the values in this? you know one of the things he does is a couch stretch that's part of his exercise routine a couch stretch is stretching something that has been shown to benefit people to you know for longevity well as far as i am aware there are no studies on how stretching affects longevity none and so why did he put a couch stretch in there what well, why is that oh he just th- thought it was cool whereas everything else is super measured and super managed but the couch stretch how did that climb in there i mean if i interviewed him i'm going to ask him all these kinds of questions as well but you know we'll have to wait for this podcast to blow up so in the meantime You know, think about the point of working out. Why are you you working out? Do you want bigger muscles? Do you want to be stronger? Those two don't necessarily always intersect. You know, if you look at bodybuilders, they, they can be big, but not strong. If you look at powerlifters, some of them can be super strong, but not very big. If you look at calisthenics athletes, the lighter they are, the more reps they can do as well. But sometimes you do get these guys who are huge as well, and they're able to just pump out tons of reps. So it totally depends on why you're working out. Are you working out for longevity? In which case that means basically bulletproofing everything as much as possible. Or are you working out to express the body? You know, why? Why are you working out? Always a great question. So going through this episode, we identified Brian Johnson, you know, like who is he talking about him? Uh, we talked about like the amounts of media that's out there and the amount of influence that he's having over people's routines, their foods and things like that. And it's quite interesting because I think a lot of people, like I said in this episode, don't consider the decisions that he's making from the lens of, oh, the decision he makes is to express a value that he holds. And so the biggest conclusion that I've got for anyone here is this idea of make sure that you check your perspective. It's always good to introduce these perspectives. I'm very thankful that Brian Johnson's out there because he's raising this conversation. But then we need to contextualize it for ourselves and say, how appropriate is this for me? Because my values are here. I would make a different decision to Brian Johnson. Well, why would you make a different decision? Is it because what he's doing is hard? And the way that you live is easy? Or is it because you're also doing hard things, but they're more about expressing your values? So that's where I'll leave you for today. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you liked it, please make sure to rate us on iTunes or Spotify. Unfortunately, Google Podcast doesn't allow you to do a rating system. Um, If you're on iTunes, a quick review just to say what you enjoyed about it would be lovely. Thank you very much. Feel free to leave a five-star rating. That would be awesome. And if you want more engagement, please feel free to sign up to the Substack. You'll find the link below. And what that means is that after an episode, you can respond to me privately one-to-one, just reply to the email and say, hey, I love that. I thought that was great. We could start a conversation by starting a comment underneath the article that's published on Substack as well. My name is Justin. This has been NeuroResiliency. Ciao for now.